Please be seated. Good morning, everyone. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. I know it's early Saturday morning. Come on. Good morning, everybody. All right. Much better. Thank you very much. I want to welcome you uh, to the cathedral this morning on this happy occasion. Uh, it's a especially happy occasion because we have set the record this morning for the most confirmations to be held in this uh, place on this day. At the last count, at, at last count, we had over 125, so give or take a little bit. Uh, we had so many that I had to call for reinforcements. Uh, I have asked uh, 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 Bishop Bob Jones, who has retired to Arizona, to Tucson from Wyoming, where he served for many years, uh, to come and help lay hands on people this morning, and he has graciously consented to do that, and so he will be uh, helping at the confirmation today. So welcome, Bishop Jones. I also want to thank those of you who were instrumental in bringing Uh, your candidates here today. I first of all want to thank the clergy of the parishes that are represented here and the teachers that uh, instructed the candidates for confirmation and reception. So if I've just described you, would you please stand up so that we can give you a hand of applause. And I want to thank another group of people here that are very important, and you are the spouses, partners, parents, and mentors of those being confirmed or received today. So if that describes you, would you please stand up so we can give you a hand of applause. Thank you, thank you. Well, most of us have seen at least a few episodes of the old comedy series Seinfeld, which ran on television for nearly a decade. What you may not know is that the characters in the show come from the imagination of a man named Larry David, who based the character of George Costanza on himself and on his own particularly wacky sense of humor. Well, Larry David now has his own show on Netflix, and it is called Curb Your Enthusiasm. I think he got the title because in the show, his character always goes too far, talks too much, pushes people to the point where they get fed up with him. His enthusiasm, usually misplaced, gets him in trouble, but it makes us laugh. He would be better off if he would curve his enthusiasm, but then the show wouldn't be as funny. I thought about the title of this show a few weeks ago when I was in New York City for a meeting, and I decided to visit a local Episcopal church on Sunday morning. Now, I am withholding the name of that church to protect the innocent. (laughs) Laura and my son Nathaniel and I arrived in time for the main service, but we came just as visitors, no clerical collar or introductions. We were just mystery visitors sitting in the pew. Well, sadly, it soon became evident that this was a congregation 
that very much had curbed their enthusiasm. In fact, there was nothing exciting about the worship at all. The music was well done but dreary. The sermon was incomprehensible. The liturgy droned on for more than 90 minutes, and the PA system made it nearly impossible to hear the readers. No one greeted us when we entered the church or when we left. No wonder that there were only a handful of older parishioners scattered about in a building that could have seated two or three hundred people. I got to wondering if this church ever had any enthusiasm at all. Now, I have to be honest. Episcopalians have, in fact, always been a bit scared of enthusiasm. We have sometimes interpreted the biblical injunction to do things decently and in order as an endorsement of a style of worship which is staid and sometimes, frankly, boring. Historically, we reacted against some expressions of Christianity which tended to go overboard in their worship. Music that was too loud or jazzy, raising one's arms in prayer, speaking in tongues, even greeting our pewmates, let alone touching them at the passing of the peace, was regarded with great suspicion. We aren't like that, we'd say to ourselves. We're not holy rollers. I can remember 40 years ago when I served as a young curate in a very stuffy New England church where we had just started the practice of passing the peace to one another. Not everyone in the congregation was pleased. The senior warden said to me, Up until now, I never spoke to anyone in church unless I knew their mother. Yes, no good Episcopalian wants to be too enthusiastic. We pride ourselves on our propriety, our dignity, and our seriousness. One of my favorite headstones inscription is over the grave of an 18th century English parson. It says, Here lies the body of the Reverend Jeremiah Johnson, vicar of this parish and faithful priest, In his whole life, he was never once enthusiastic. (laughs) We forget that the word enthusiasm means literally filled with God. It comes from two Greek words, en, meaning in, and thusia, meaning the divine. Enthusiasm is a synonym for another word we often hear in church, inspired, meaning the Spirit is in us. We are inspired. And in the Bible, it's a good thing to be inspired. And since the Bible promises us that we have received this gift of the Holy Spirit at our baptism, we Christians, by definition, ought to be Spirit-filled enthusiastic people. We also know from experience that people are naturally drawn to enthusiastic people. When we think back to those teachers or mentors who shaped us, 
We think of people who caught our imagination by their enthusiasm, their passion for their subject. I recall a political science professor I had in college who got me interested in his subject, not from the content of his lectures, but by the passion that he brought to his teaching. He would literally run around the classroom during the lecture time, and he would entertain us with impressions of political leaders. The students loved him. And I can also think of teachers who totally turned me off because they droned on and on. You know that monotone, don't you? The capital of South Dakota, anybody, anybody. You've had them, right? Why should I be interested in their topic when they weren't? It's often been remarked that our presiding bishop, Michael Curry, is a fabulous preacher, not because of what he says, but how he says it. He speaks the gospel with such excitement and passion that you can't help but sit up and listen. In the scripture lesson from Acts this morning, we hear about the enthusiasm of the early followers of Jesus. We call that event Pentecost, and we will celebrate it next week. It's really the birthday of the church. You all know the story. The disciples were gathered in an upper room in Jerusalem after Jesus had left them, and they were confused and discouraged and afraid, wondering what they should do next. When all of a sudden a mighty rushing wind came upon them, and they were so filled with the Spirit, so enthusiastic, that it looked like tongues of fire were dancing on top of their heads, and they, they ran out onto the streets of Jerusalem, and they were so excited that people that saw them thought they were drunk. We're not drunk. We're filled with the Spirit. As I mentioned before, this is not likely to be people's perception of the Episcopal Church today. And you all know the old jokes about how Episcopalians are God's frozen people. But I believe that you who are being confirmed or received or are renewing your vows today are here because at some point in your spiritual journey, you have experienced the exact same kind of inspiration and enthusiasm that the first disciples felt. As the theologian Frederick Buechner writes, religion begins with a lump in the throat, that indescribable feeling of being connected with God, the intense realization of knowing that you are loved by Jesus and that he is with you in all things, that deep joy that comes when we enter into worship and we raise our prayers and voices with our brothers and sister Christians. It's that enthusiasm that led you to this place in your spiritual journey. As you prepared for today, you immersed yourself more deeply into the life of the church. You learned about who we are and why we do the things we do. You formed close relationships with your clergy and with your Christian brothers and sisters. Some of you have done even more than that. You've started to live out your Christian beliefs through your service to others. And that can take many forms, from working inside the church by doing things like teaching church school or serving on the vestry 
or can be outside the church by volunteering at a soup kitchen or tutoring at the elementary school or pounding nails for Habitat for Humanity. You have reached out because enthusiasm always has to be shared. You can't be enthusiastic by yourself. You have to share it. It's not just a state of mind. It's a way of life. In the gospel, Jesus' first disciples were inspired by his teaching, so much so that they left their families and their occupations to follow him. We heard about that in the gospel lesson for this morning. By your presence here this morning, you are doing the exact same thing. You are following Jesus. Just like the disciples, you don't know exactly where that journey is going to take you. But you can be assured that the adventure will be worth it and the goal will be indescribable. So I ask you, in fact, I plead with you, don't curb your enthusiasm. Build on the life-changing encounters that brought you here today to follow Jesus, to reach out to others, to help to build the kingdom of God. Yes, sometimes church life can get a bit tedious. Sometimes we get more preoccupied with maintaining the institution than we do with the mission of the gospel. Sometimes we allow our very human fears to keep us from leading the kind of brave and strong and courageous lives that God would have us do. But if and when that happens to you, remember the day the Spirit filled you. Recall the times that you experienced God's love. Remember when Jesus was a light to you in your darkness. And then remember to always, always be enthusiastic. Amen.